I got a great title for today. And the reason you're not going to hear it is Jamie. He wasn't impressed. So we just have to live with that. All right. Let's read the scripture. Let's read the story. This is just the the bare bones of the story. We're going to look into it a little bit more. Uh, We'll read it in, I think, in Mark chapter 2. Beginning at that beginning of that chapter. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he'd come home. So many gathered that there was no room left. So many. Not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But that that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, never seen anything like this before. That's a story most of us know very well. In these days, probably over the last couple of years or so now, God has been speaking to us about spirit of adventure, about having adventure in him. We could sometimes use the term exploits for him. And I think, I see it like this. Adventure, it kind of disturbs us from our comfort zone and kind of thrusts us out into something a bit different or a bit new Uh, that has a kind of risk factor. It disturbs our normal sort of flow of life. And yet there's there's a lot of fun in it. When I was thinking about this, I thought about... um, We we have come on occasion, my wife and I, to enjoy cruising, cruise ships, yes? Um, It's very comfortable... Uh, it's quite predictable and uh, we have a wonderful arrangement in that she is in the sun and I'm in the shade and occasionally we meet up together but it's very nice when we do, you know. 
I also like, I love narrow boats on the canal. Some of you have had the tremendous privilege of accompanying me in that. You be careful what you're saying. <laughs> so calm and so gentle and so peaceful and so comfortable. But there's another side of me that remembers as part of being ministering at a camp, uh, we were invited to go whitewater rafting. That was a different type of adventure. And the characters, they didn't think at the end of it that I was wet enough, so they got a bucket of cold water and poured it over me, which I always remember. But that's a while ago, you know, and I'm more grown up and mature now, and I wouldn't ever dream of doing anything like that. But when I go to see Keith Marsh, who's got all these access to all these boats, we would call them speedboats. And he understands the deep longings of my soul. And pretty well immediately we leave the dock. He says, John, would you like to take over? Oh, would I like to take over? You know, is the Pope Catholic, you know? That's... (laughs) And it's got all the sort of depth finders and things like that and places to go. But boy, when you open that thing up, wow. And we went, I mean, it was an adventure. Uh, We were with him last year or some point and he was so keen that we had this opportunity and he wanted us to go right across the, the... the shipping lane across the bay to the other side because this fantastic lunch place. It was a little bit choppy and we managed, what a great adventure, to soak everybody totally to the skin before we got there. I mean, it wasn't comfortable, but it's an adventure. Yeah. Now... Of course, nobody here, unless you've been particularly honoured, is allowed to be over 40. So as young people, do you you, you kind of like adventure? Is there a little bit in you that still would be open for adventure? Four, five, six, (laughs) right. Well, we've been talking about some adventure in that Esther series. Talk about high drama. Talk about high stakes. This, if I perish, I perish. That's adventure. That's that's adventure to the nth degree. But you see, guys, we're not really, we're not talking about thrill seekers. We're talking about serving the God who made us, saved us, equipped us for his service, laid down his life for us. We're talking about the adventure that comes as we reach out, not just for the thrill of it, but for the purpose of actually reaching to the full extent of what he has provided for us to be able to engage in. Of course, the only basis for that 
It's not because, you know, I'm a bit bored and I need something that kind of spark up my life. The, the basis for that is that something is set before us, something kind of stirs us, and it seems that the love of God within us kind of, Bible talks about, constrains us, uh, kind of pressures us in a kind of friendly way to actually seize that opportunity. And that's what we're looking at today. We're made for his purpose. But then we have to remember that um, in John chapter 14, verse 12, it says this, These things shall you do, and greater because I go to my Father in heaven. Now, I find it difficult to get my head around that, but I do hear that is the truth of the word of God, that God has got things which are greater for us because of what he's done and because of who he is. In fact, he's given to us the privilege of the great adventure of bringing people to Jesus, of this fantastic opportunity, uh, this adventure, this greater things. And he's always prepared to confirm his word with signs following. So it's our role to exercise love, the love of God through care and, uh, and, and involvement, at the same time recognising that there's certain things we cannot do. And that's really the nub of what we're looking at today, the heart of it. Recognising we have a role and recognising there's something that we cannot do, that it's really down to him. So our role to exercise that care and great involvement, but at the same time to see that there's something only he can do. To which end, we need to know the point. We need to understand the point where we have to, even in bringing someone to Jesus, where we have to release them to that which only he can do what we call the faith factor. He gives to us to be involved, to care, to share, to engage. But always, we've got to be conscious of the fact there is something I cannot do and I am dependent upon him. So I'm looking always to know that moment of faith. And this picture, this story is is a great picture of that. Let's have a little look. Let's break it down a little bit. We use a little bit of imagination. Yeah? A little bit of imagination. Oh, it's lovely when you smile at me with that kind of... It's called the smile of agreement. <laughs> Let's think about the nature. The Bible talks about a paralytic. When you go back into see the original... Uh, words and the uh, potential disease this was not somebody that laid down one day and couldn't get up again this can happen that whatever position the person was in they got stuck in that so it could be that they were just reaching for something and they were completely locked in that condition it could be that they were just about to walk and step up something 
and they were locked in that position. It's not a very convenient situation for somebody who you're trying to carry on a, on a bed. Thinking about our role and looking at this story as we dig into it a little bit, there's a tremendous amount uh, of effort involved. We'll go through it a little bit so that we just, because it's so easy, we read the, the kind of headlines of it, but I want us this morning to enter into a little bit more of what's involved so that we might see and we might learn that it's in the purpose of God that we can have a depth of involvement, but there's still something that only he can do. There's tremendous commitment. They set out to do something, and the commitment and the determination there uh, was, was totally amazing. And then they get involved in something which is, well, it's a bit cheeky to say the least. Or, if you prefer a, a more grown-up word, audacious. Hands up if you know what audacious means. Hands up if you're under 25 and you know what audacious means. Good, Neil. Well done. See, I like that. That's an aspiration. He's not stopping at being under 40. He's now under 25. <laughs> it's quite creative. I mean, this story... It's fairly creative. You don't, I mean, it's not something that happens every day. God can cause us to do things creative. James told me this story um, some years ago about James Dorman. Wanted to get a friend to come to, I think it was to the youth meeting. He phoned the friend uh, and the friend said, I can't come. I don't have the money to get on the bus. He had to come by bus. So he said, he always remembers that James went took a bus to this friend's place, gave him the money to get the bus, to, to be able to come on the bus back to, to get to the thing. I thought, okay, that's creative. That's saying, I'll find a way. Uh, I just need to bring you into this place. I'll find a way. Love finds a way uh, when others are not visible. I, I think... <coughs> could be slightly embarrassing uh, don't you think I mean carrying somebody up onto a roof and people around would have some comment I think they're crazy look what they're doing to this poor man don't you think he's in enough problems without these religious zealots trying to expose his, his situation in this way? I, I think there would have been uh, quite a bit of potential embarrassment and all sorts of objections. Um, you shouldn't, I mean, the health and safety would have been there. Uh, I mean, this is not the right way to transport somebody uh, in this condition. Uh, there would have been a good few checks that they'd failed on that. All sorts of objections. Then they need to they work together. All right, so there's four of them. There's Bill, George, Jim and Eric. 
right? All right, whatever the Hebrew equivalent was, yeah. Well, look, just use your imaginations a minute. If Bill and George, on their side, lower the man quicker than Jim and Eric on the other side, what's gonna happen? Work with me here. What's gonna happen? Got, oh, well, thank you, Mark. If they tip the guy down on the heads of the people. So even in all that they're doing, there's a working together that is necessary. Think about it. Think about situations of bringing someone to Jesus. Objections, embarrassment, creative thinking, sometimes very important and need to work together in that. But a sense of somehow this has really got to happen. Something was driving, was working within them. Now we call it the love of God, the most powerful force in the universe, constraining to actually do something. Whatever the cost, they were going to do it. They did what they could. And they had together a central purpose. Their central purpose was, if we can just get him to Jesus. They weren't going to be put off. They were very resolute. Very focused that this is what we're, we're here to do. Brothers and sisters, I think, I think that we could receive this and we could respond to this in a way of saying, you know, I think I could, I think I could do with some more of that sense of focus and utter commitment, not out of a sense of, oh, you ought to do this, you know, it's not good enough, because that never works but out of a sense of, of the love of God constraining us, love of God flowing through us, the recognition that the kind of things we enjoy when we come into to worship and we enjoy and experience the presence of God is what we want other people to have because life is not fulfilled outside of the kingdom of God. Apart from all the issue of coming into what God has made us for, He's made us for his glory, for his purpose. Apart from the fact that the only place for forgiveness of sin, the only place to become who God has designed us to be is through coming to Jesus. Of course we understand. But spirit of adventure would probably risk praying this prayer. Lord, let your love constrain me so that this becomes an even more compelling focus and direction in my life. Why do we think it's good? Well, it's loving action. They're actually doing something. You know, actions speak a lot louder than words. Loving actions, if we believe that the answer is in Jesus, Bringing someone to him. 
is just the best possible thing. And then we know that Jesus said that we have to, um, he requires us to love our neighbour. Love one another as I've loved you. And then um, one day you remember the story, the bright spark came along and said, well, who is my neighbour? What does it mean? And he gave the story that many of you know of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, um, the story there shows that Love was expressed in action. This is the story, remember, of the man that was traveling and he was attacked by robbers and left for dead and and stripped of everything that he had. And then religious people came along and they kind of just ignored him. But then somebody who was not deemed to be friendly, a different race, a different kind of person, somebody that wouldn't normally have dealings with, he came along and he risks the fact that the Robbers were probably still around. He risked the fact that getting involved has a cost. And he actually, in the story, for most of you know, but I'm just quickly saying, uh, he puts him on his own donkey and uh, carries him to some place, some place of safety, and pays for him to look, be looked after. Considerable sum of money. And in addition to that, he says, if it costs you any more... I'm going to repay you when I come back on my way through. I mean, that is an extensive, costly engagement. But that is an example, that's the picture that God's given. And the end product, of course, this story, well, somebody was rescued. Somebody came to that place. That's a story. Then it goes on to say, Uh, Jesus, when he saw their faith. Now, that's an interesting thought. When he saw their faith. Now, how does faith come? Faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. So clearly, they had heard something. They'd never seen this man raised up, uh, this paralytic man healed. They've not not got that background. This has not happened yet. When they... Get, come up to get him through the roof. They are operating in faith because they've, they've heard something. Now, heard something, I don't mean about hearing a teaching. I mean that hearing which you, many of you, have experienced when you heard the call of Jesus. When you came into that first place of knowing him. It's a hearing. It's a revelation. And they'd heard and therefore were operating in faith, very focused. And when he saw their faith, (coughs) just interesting, isn't it? Faith always pleases God. In fact, he said without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith pleases him, and it sort of provokes an action. And we see this in various stories, as well as in this story. Do you remember the story of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8? He comes and asks Jesus uh, for help uh, for one of his that were sick. And Jesus said, you want me to come? No, he said, you just only have to say the word and they'll be healed. 
And the Bible says, when he heard that, it released something. There was a faith position right there. And the, and the person was healed at that point in time. Then there was a Canaanite woman. Do you remember that story about coming and there was this sort of discourse, is it really for you or is it really for other, another group of people? And she has this story about, uh, he says about, um, would we give food uh, to, to, to your type? And she said, that's an amazing answer. She's standing, remember, this is all in front of a big crowd. Yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs. It's not not a very spiritual kind of, it wasn't a, a quote from Deuteronomy. It was something that just welled up within her. And when he saw, heard that, she was immediately, again, that faith provoked action in him. So, the friends come and they lower uh, this uh, paralysed man to Jesus. And you know, you've heard me say often and you will hear it often, I sum it up in a little mantra that says, in God, by his power, we are equipped to love enough to care. So that it actually matters. For many of us, including me, that would not have been the case before Jesus got hold of me and changed my life. That was not my disposition. But loving enough to care is the love of God at work in us. And then close enough, close enough to one another to actually know, close enough to to actually find out, to actually be aware Never in the same well, I just assumed. No, we're talking about close enough to know. And then the third thing is willing to pay the price to actually respond and do something about it. Close enough to know. Willing to pay the price. L C P. Love enough to care, close enough to know, willing to pay the price. Yeah? It doesn't quite follow like that, but that's how I remember it. Anyway, let's think about it a little bit more. Here we are. We're lowering the man through the roof. Please, you've got to try and enter into the story, all right? Are you willing to do that? Of course you are. Got not a lot of choice, really. Oi! That's my roof! What are you doing? Possible. The Bible doesn't say it, but the Bible only gives us headlines. I mean, what would you say? If you, you, came, you came home... And <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about Fernando and Marissa. All right? They come home, there's somebody uh, making a hole in their roof. If it was Fernando, he would, he would come with a quiet, reasoning, inquiry. <laughs> it's a story. Just, you need to just thank God it's not Marissa because she wouldn't come with a quiet, reasoning story. 
people round about, just looking, what is, what is this about? What's going to happen? There'd be the religious people. Well, uh, in our church, we don't do it like that. Uh, we, uh, and, and we've seen, uh, we've actually seen Jesus do things differently. This is not part of how we do things. You know, part of following God is breaking out of a, a standard or a restriction or the predictable. Jesus constantly demonstrated that. I'm sure, while we get into this, that there was uh, doctrinal objections. No, this is not according to the doctrine as we see it. And I suppose the paralysed man had to kind of comply. Well, I mean, in a sense, he's paralysed. He didn't have a lot of choice, but some way along the line, he could have... Guys, uh, you know... Um, really appreciate what you're doing, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I like the idea of taking me to Jesus. But um, is he on the roof? <laughs> Can somebody tell me, uh, guys? When you went up those steps, uh, Bill and George needed to hold this end up because I'm I'm sliding back down. <laughs> Have you got experience of, of this, uh, of this roof removal? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you know how to do it without the whole thing caving in? Are you, you, you're going to lower me down? Really? I mean, you, you've, you've done this before. You've not done it before? Well, they had to work that through. There's lots of reasons, lots of good, sound and solid objections. I, I told you before, one of the things I learned um, many years ago was when I'd, we were reaching out to uh, guys on the streets and, and uh, various sort of drug people and what have you, and uh, one of my friends called me and said, uh, uh, these two lads that had come from out of town, um, who we saw yesterday, um, I feel that we need to go and uh, we go, need to go and get them, pick them up. And all we knew was they were in London. Now I think the population of London was at that point somewhere around 7.9 million or something like that. Um, what, 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 do we know where they are? No. But I feel we should go. So it's very interesting because I go and and collect him in the car, and then. Um, various other friends were having this ginormous debate and argument about the utter foolishness and stupidity about going to look for somebody or two people in London where you didn't know where they were in London and, you know, that's quite a big place. Somehow, in the purpose of God, we just left them arguing debating, disputing. Of course, it looked stupid. And lo and behold, we drive into London, we stop in one place, I hear the Spirit of God say, no, this is not it. I move to another place, which happened to be Piccadilly Circus. And there's people streaming all over the place, and I thought, even if they're here, we couldn't see them. And we stop at a crossing, 
and the two people that we're looking for come walking across. Now, you can live in the sensible and you can hear the disputed or you can hear God and say, you know, there's something that matters more. And there was a deep constraining for the safety and, and salvation of these two guys. I guess the closer it gets, and sometimes it's like this when we're bringing someone to Jesus, the closer it gets, the more the opposition, the things that crop up, the things that get in the way, the unhelpful matters that seem to come to light. And I guess it was the same for them. Uh, you know, the closer they got, then they're beginning to hear all the, see all the crowd and see the difficulty and, and worry about how it's going to happen and so on and so forth. Let's understand that we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And if we're seeking to bring someone to Jesus, there is opposition which goes beyond the natural. But God, who is for us, is greater than anything and anyone that's against us, and we can prevail through. And what we're seeing here is a prevailing through on the basis of what God is saying, the love of God that constrains us, and a prevailing through, which is a recognition if we can just get him to Jesus as being the vital thing. It's the purpose of God. So, what was their attitude? Well, there was some desperation there. Let me say this. Desperation is better turned into action rather than despair. The enemy would seek to turn desperation into despair. It can't be, it can never happen, it's too difficult. What, what if, what if, what if? In this instance, we see, and remember, all of this, anything that's here is here for our instruction. And to transform desperation into action rather than despair. And we'll look at that in a minute. Their concern was to do what they felt God was giving them to do. They had a priority of obedience over success. It could be God. It might be God. There was no guarantee of success. That's the whole thing we looked at in the Esther story. It wasn't a guarantee of success. If I perish, I perish. I mean, it, it's that sense of adventure is stepping out without the guarantee. What if we get him there and he doesn't get healed? You see... The commitment was to do what they believed was right, to be obedient. It could be God. It's worth the risk. And they were making, let's, let's face it, guys, they're making a huge investment in this friend, uh, in all that they were getting into. Uh, this was not a kind of a passing commitment. This was a real significant investment. Their reputation. Uh, what would happen? You know, a whole business with the roof. Could they actually succeed? That's, that's the kind of investment they were making. Now, it wasn't until after the man was healed that they realised that they were used of God. 
So God was using them in his purpose. They didn't get to know that until afterwards. They had to be working on the basis of the love that God had placed in their hearts and doing what they believed was right before they knew what the outcome was. Uh, we're okay. We're sitting here very comfortable because we know the end of the story. They didn't know that. That was what they were doing. I guess until he was healed, it was all a bit speculative. It may be, it might. Here's another point that I particularly, particularly struck me, and this is, I want, I want you to get hold of this. Think of it now, picture, they're lowering the man to Jesus. The further the man gets from them, the closer he gets to Jesus. See, there was coming a point where they could not do any more. And somehow there was a releasing. But the releasing was coupled with the closer he was coming to Jesus. And that's a picture that stuck with me. I'd never seen it like that before. But sometimes there's that recognition in all the involvement, in all the engagement, in all the commitment, which is wonderful and it's what God calls us to do. There's also that place where we say, Lord, releasing to you, bringing him closer to you. I guess if they were just interested in looking after him, uh, managing his uh, disability, um, just focused on making him more comfortable, they would never have done what they did. I mean, who in their right mind would put this poor man through that? If they were only concerned with kind of making him comfortable and looking after him, wouldn't have done that. They saw something beyond that that was far more important. Leading him to Jesus. So let's summarise. They were blocked by the fact that the man was paralysed. They were blocked by the crowd. They couldn't get into the place where they were taking him. They were worried that they could be blocked by the religious, the religious elite who cared more for power and tradition than their friend. I'm sure their hearts were in their mouths as they heard the debate that was going on between the different ones. I'm sure that they went, oh, what is going to happen? Now they're talking about, is it okay? Isn't it not wrong for what Jesus just said? There's, there's this doctrinal thing going on. They were blocked in every way. And I don't think they sat there. I mean, you can use your own imagination. Are they on the roof just sort of saying, oh, I wonder how this is going to turn out? No, 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 not for me. When they've gone that far, they're on the roof and they're crying out, Jesus, heal my friend. And there's all the voices and all the crowd. But there's something which is driving them. They're constrained by love. They're not going to sit there and, oh, yeah, it'd be interesting. You know, I just broke through the roof. We'll just see how it all turns out now. Crying out. You know, 
I don't think they were very English. Yeah, that's why we just broke through the roof and uh, we just, you know, lowered him down and uh, we just see what happens, really. You know? No. No. If we can just get him to Jesus. And then we begin to think. Imagine the scene. It says, after this, um, he got up, took his mat, Walked out in full view. Went home. Take your mat and go home. Come and join with me. He's in a situation. And we're going to break. I'm going to break into this. We're going to use this song. Because in this song, um, I, I want us to be focusing on something very important. I'm going to be asking you in this, who is it that you want to lift to Jesus? You see, there's a promise. In, he, in, in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, who for the joy that was set before endured the cross. There's a joy that I believe God wants us to focus on in this. Yes, there's all the issue of getting him there and getting him through the roof and all the problems. Bringing someone to Jesus is not necessarily easy. Psalm 126 speaks about sowing in tears, but reaping in joy. I believe this is a time where we need to begin to think and savour. And I want you to, to, to use this song to hear God's voice leading us to, to faith and new actions, reigniting hope, which has been perhaps extinguished, change of tempo, of drawing in the drawing in of loved ones. Catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus who can raise up the downcast. Join with us. Let's just take this song. I'm going to break in so we take this song. Hope will rise. And I'm asking and believing that, that God will stir us as we listen and we've gone into this story and we use this song and we make these declarations that something of the Spirit of God will stir us again where hope has kind of declined that they will be renewed in the sense of what we can expect